Let's get to the latest on Ukraine. Sanctions against Russia, they have been implemented by many around the world, including, of course, Canada and the world, now waiting to see what Vladimir Putin will do next. And joining us now is Marta Ditschok, who is with the Political Science Department at Western University. Marta, it's nice to have you back with us. Good afternoon. Good to be here. Thank you. All right. As I mentioned, uh, sanctions imposed by Canada and others. First off, uh, Marta, is there any indication that these sanctions, that they're being effective or making a difference? They will make a difference. It's too early to tell. They have just been imposed. But sanctions, along with diplomatic pressure, are currently the tools available to Canada and other international actors who are trying to get Russian President Putin to stop he is determined to continue his aggression against Ukraine and thereby destabilizing Europe and the international order um, by cutting off his access to the international financial system that will cripple his ability to be able to pursue this in the long term. But this is a long term strategy, not a short term results kind of thing. All right. And do we have that sort of time, do you think, uh, if this is a long-term strategy, these uh, sanctions? Is there uh, enough time uh, to wait this out and, and see whether or not the sanctions make a determined Putin to back down? Or do you think sanctions were perhaps implemented a little too late? Well, Ukraine had been calling for sanctions earlier, um, and everybody was waiting until the aggression actually escalated. But the way they are designed, it's a wave of sanctions. So there's the first wave, the second wave, the third wave, and, and so on. So they, they aren't going to cut Russia off completely immediately. They're going to cut them off, see if that helps. If that doesn't help, they will increase the sanctions until it actually does have an impact. Okay. Do we know when the West will impose more sanctions, go to the next uh, wave? Is there a, a timeline? Is there something that they're looking at, a, a certain development that might uh, trigger the next wave? Well, you would have to ask uh, President Biden and Prime Minister Trudeau that question. I'm sure they have a plan. They're not sharing it with me or the rest of the world with good reason, because they need to keep the element of surprise. Uh, there are also continued actions on the diplomatic front. The UN General, Council, uh, General Assembly met today. Ukraine's Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba gave a very powerful speech asking for an increase in sanctions. The European Union leaders will be meeting later this week uh, to discuss further sanctions. I think when we look at sanctions, the one that's really important that was uh, done right away by Germany is the suspension of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And for those of you who might not know what that is, Russia earns its money through selling energy primarily to Western Europe. And they had been working with Germany on constructing a new pipeline so that they could sell more of their natural gas, thereby get more revenue. And the day that they escalated, the day Russia escalated violence against Ukraine, Germany put that project, project on hold, which means Russia's income is, is being uh, stopped. So that is a very key move. Um, and the United States also yesterday made a very important step by saying that they are cutting off uh, Russian access to um, uh, US dollar accounts. So they're cutting them off slowly from the international financial system. 
Um, and I think the strategy is to squeeze them slowly to see at which point that's going to be enough to make them stop. Okay, so that's uh, on the sanctions side. You mentioned diplomacy mm-hmm. a second ago, uh, Marta, and yeah. I feel like I ask you this question every time we talk about this and talk about Ukraine. I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, whether or not uh, the diplomatic option, diplomacy, if it still uh, was a viable option. Are we still feeling that way uh, here today uh, on this Wednesday and moving forward? Well, diplomacy has to continue because sooner or later all wars end and negotiations are, peace is negotiated. So keeping those channels of communication open is crucial during any war. Um, What effect they're having on Russia at the moment, I would say none, but that doesn't mean that you stop those because it's also uh, international pressure, which Putin may or may not be paying attention to, but perhaps people within Russia, his inner circle and society more broadly might be affected by the fact that suddenly they're no longer considered a great power in the international community, but considered a pariah. So that could, again, put pressure on Putin uh, over time. Um, And also it's important that countries coordinate their response to this. So those are the two things that I think are, are pretty important. Meantime, the head of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council uh, has called for a nationwide state of emergency. Now, that is a subject to approval there, but can you give us a, a sense or an idea what it's like in Ukraine right now? That's an excellent question, and Ukraine is a large country, and the war is happening in one area in the southeast, in the Donbass, in the Donetsk and Luhansk Oblast. So there, shelling is occurring People are being shot at, killed, wounded, infrastructures being destroyed. So that's where the hot war is. The other elements of this hybrid war are cyber attacks that are intensifying against Ukraine and economic uh, disruption that is a way of disrupting people's lives. So the, the response in the country is overall defiant. We will defend ourselves. And there, are the, there is a call for the reservists to sign up for active duty. And from the photos I'm seeing on my Facebook feed, there are lineups to the various offices where people are signing up. But there are also lineups to the opera. So people are still getting on with their ordinary lives. Some of my friends are thinking about how to evacuate their Uh, wives and small children away from the area where the war is is hot. So there's there's a mixed reaction. You mentioned cyber attacks against Ukraine a moment ago. We're going to delve into that, uh, take a deep dive in the next 20 minutes or so with a cybersecurity expert. But uh, Marta, I want to ask you about this as well, because is that something that Canada and uh, those that have imposed sanctions against Russia Uh, Do we need to be on high alert when it comes to uh, cyber attacks from Russia and any other sort of retaliatory uh, action for imposing this first wave of sanctions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because cyber attacks have already been perpetrated against Canada in the last few weeks. And um, the source seems to be Russia. So there will be more of that. But let's not forget that countries like Canada and other NATO members, they have experience in fighting against cyber attacks. And this is where NATO could be helping Ukraine more in helping them protect themselves from cyber attacks. 
because back in 2007, when Estonia was hit with massive cyber attacks by Russia, uh, NATO set up a headquarters there, uh, an anti-cyber attack center to help fend off these attacks. And that sort of help could be extended to Ukraine at the moment, in addition to Canada and all these other countries beefing up their own defenses. All right. I got to leave it there for now. Marta, I appreciate the time as always. And thank you so much uh, for the update. I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, down the road as this story continues to develop. Thank you. All right. There goes Marta Ditchchok with the political science department at Western University in London, Ontario. And we're back after this break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.